0: This episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is being brought to you by the Kids Can Fish Foundation. Head over to kidscanfish.net and take a look at all the awesome things that they're doing for these kids. They get them all together and all your proceeds, all the money you give in goes right back into the organization and they take these kids out fishing, whether it's surf fishing, throwing cast nets, stuff like that. They take them out, they teach them how to do it, and then when they're done, they give them the gear. And it doesn't cost the kids anything. So everything that gets put together. Is because of you, and they are doing awesome things. They are down in the St. Simons Island, Georgia area, and they are going to be growing. You will hear more about that as time goes on. I can't talk about it yet, but really, really good things with Kids Can Fish Foundation, awesome stuff, kidscanfish.net. Go take a look at the website, help them out. You won't be sorry. You're helping some kid do some great things with their life. Welcome back everybody hope you're doing well wherever you are things are going phenomenal for you this year and you just everything's on the up and up I know it's winter it's still a little chilly and uh, you, know, you can still catch fish believe it or not there's plenty of great fishing out there in this winter time this week we're getting on the old digital plane and we're heading north yeah for winter we're going north what am I thinking we're going up to New York if you haven't heard of this gentleman you have been missing out uh, he has a phenomenal radio show and let's see here. Digital content. Oh, lots of other ones. Oh, wait. Oh, he's a guide. Yeah, there's a whole lot of things. We're going to be talking with Bernie Hoyt, also known as Bernie Bass. And you can find about all that information about him is going to be linked back to on findingdemosturfishing.com and on the website or on this podcast. Everywhere you found this, you're going to find it. You can find their show on the App Store as well, wherever the podcasts are get or wherever you get them from. The tight line with Bernie Bass and the captain lots of good things that are going to be coming from that so without further ado with me running my mouth let's get him on the show
1: bernie welcome to the show good to have you here man hey it's a pleasure i'm really happy to uh be on here it's only to a nice conversation with you thank you
0: it's only taken us you know a few months with me jumping back and forth like oh yeah you were supposed my bad i missed out on every chance i could to record so i screwed that up a few times but
1: it i'm glad like to finally whole- have you you know our both lives are very busy you know stressing me during efficiency is always tough to tag me down for anything
0: <laughs> you <Including> work <laughs> yeah yeah balancing let's see here uh guiding your regular job the radio show um just regular life yeah it's 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 real man people uh, I don't think people realize some of the fun stuff that you get to play with in the background <laughs> well let's jump right in here Um uh, Let's let's just start at the very beginning and get down to where we are because we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, and I want to not lose any of your time. So let's start at the beginning. with Tell us your story and what got you into fishing.
1: Well, I started fishing when I was really young. Um, you know, I started with uh, freshwater. There was a local little lake, Yapank Lake, near me in the hamlet of Brookhaven on Long Island, where I where I grew up. And my dad started me out with like small stuff like that, and then eventually he took me surf casting when you know I could kind of handle it on the beach part of it and I actually um caught my first fish was a mid-teens bluefish you know when I was really young and that was you know really what got me hooked I hate to use that but it's so true um in the surf fish and once I started catching bigger fish that was it I didn't want to go back to the lake and catch little freshwater you know fish on long island freshwater fishing you know we have it but we don't get the size fish that you know a lot of the places get when the freshwater game so you got to get into the saltwater game if you're looking for you know the bigger fish and that's how I really got started and you know the rest really is history I mean it's really just the major part of my life in all aspects of my life I think about it 24 (laughs) (laughs) seven.
0: Yeah it's a kind of an addiction Uh, I don't know how it happened it just sort of does right?
1: It really is and I always say it's a positive addiction but it can, you know, it can be interfering in your life at times.
0: What? No. What do you mean I got 10 minutes? I can throw a line. Uh, I mean, n- none of us ever think that as, uh, as anglers, especially on the surf side.
1: No, but when you have your family, like you don't go to events and things and friends ask you, you know, what's wrong with you? We haven't seen you out, you know, things like that. You know, you say to yourself once in a while, oh, maybe they're, they're right a little bit. It is kind of an addiction.
0: Yeah, but they could also join us at the beach and you know I mean I'm not saying that any of us would, you know, be really upset if you guys joined us for a few hours while we're out there doing this. But you can come to our office too. We we promise to we'll bring good times for that. With that one running through, let's back, uh ooh. Man, how did I miss that one? What is your favorite thing about fishing?
1: I think it just, you know, it really for me I don't want to say it's an escape. I don't like using the word escape, but it really is, you know, it just gets me in touch with, I don't know, the environment and things like that. I feel like, you know, and you know, Long Island is, is a hustle and bustle place. You know, we're not far from New York city. It's very busy out here. I'm forced to live on the Eastern end of Long Island where it's a little less busy, but you know, where we are placed on Long Island, we're only, you know, everybody that lives on the Island though is only probably 10 or 15 minutes away from, a body of water, whether it be the bay, the ocean or the Long Island Sound. And yet, you know, being it's 15 minutes away, you know, that 15 minutes when you get to the beach, you feel like you're a world away, though. You know, there's still a lot of empty beaches and spots, if you're willing to walk and and do things and fish odd times and stuff like that. You know, it really is. I feel like it's a world away. It gets you away from that everyday hustle and bustle. You know and i think that's for me and, and a lot of people i fish with and i notice a lot of my clients from the city you know on the guiding end of it you know there's this one guy who fishes with me three times a year that's the only time he fishes but when he comes out here he's so wound tight and then it just seems like he relaxes and i think that's you know what it is for a lot of people it, it's relaxing
0: definitely good call there the for those that don't know if you look at new york on a map in long island if you go to the easternmost point there's a park down there it's a different world on the eastern end of long island than it is what 15 miles to the west even i mean just looking across the water it's a completely different world than new york itself it's it's serene almost it's just nice
1: it really is and you know. A lot of people discovered it during COVID that wanted to get out of New York City. A lot of people bought homes out here and a lot of people rented places out here, you know, with with the whole COVID thing and and really discovered. And a lot of them never left. and A lot of them still work from home. You know, I, I don't blame them. You know, you hear people complain, oh, there's so many people out here now and stuff like that. You know, but I don't blame them for wanting to come out here. It is a beautiful place.
0: Yeah, you're definitely in a beautiful one, especially even in winter. It's not that dreary, which says a lot for New England. I mean, me, me being from just across the water from you into a little bit to the east, uh, I, I remember winter being just straight dreary and it was always kind of sad. But then you get down to the water in certain places, it's not that bad. It's like, all right, it's just cold, just a little, just a little wet. Yeah, not and bad. it's
1: been, you know, we've had a mild winter so far, we're expecting a little snow, you know. Each and every week, you know, they keep saying little flurries here, little flurries there, but you know, we really can't complain.
0: Nice. Very nice. Uh, can you share a memorable surf fishing story, including anything that was an unexpected catch or challenging fishing situations that always sticks out in your head right away when you think about it?
1: You know, being we were just talking about when I got started, you know, I went to um a local beach, uh Smith Point is the beach, and there's a local beach on there, uh, Great Gun Beach, actually. And it's funny, that became my email um great gun is my email and that's my first beach I ever caught my first surf fish from was was a mid-teens bluefish and, and the biggest memory was just with my dad when I, when that fish hit me I mean I thought it was like a freight train you know and I remember my I remember whining the reel and I'm, and I'm really starting to reel it in I can't do it and I keep saying to my dad I can't do it I can't do it and I had hip boots at the time when I was really young that my dad bought me because he didn't want me in waiters because of the dangers of waders when I was a kid and he had me by the loop of my jeans that I had under the, under the uh, hip boots. And as I'm reeling, and I'm getting pulled into the water, you know, kind of. And I'm like, I can't do it, Dad. I can't do it. And um, he's holding the loop of my pants. That's how it was. And that, and that was my first fish. And, you know, I think that was the biggest memory for me.
0: That's so cool. And bluefish in New England, for those of you who have never seen them, bluefish in New England are different than a lot of places. They're big. They're powerful. They're mean and they're really tasty
1: yeah we get them into the 20 pound range you know especially in the spring when the, we you know the, the big hammers start to come in and it's a lot of fun especially on the top water
0: oh dude i'm so excited for you to talk about that later on because
1: <laughs> top
0: water you and two other people last year when, we, when i was doing kind of research and picking on things you and just a couple other guys really made me start realizing that i have been missing out on a lot of fish because i'm not using topwater lures and it's a different game to use it and i've been trying to do better but i want to say thank you for that thank you for making me realize i was missing out on a fun side and you make it look cool so uh all right let's keep going here because if not i'm gonna go down that trail and we're gonna get way off track so let's talk about uh, the tips tricks and knowledge piece here how do you plan your fishing trips
1: Um, based on, you know, my fishing trips are, you know, based on, you know, the normal things, the wind, the moon, the tide, you know, um, and, you know, a lot of the tides around here are really, uh, spot specific where, you know, the certain tide works at a certain time, you know, um, you you could be on the South shore of Long Island, always the good rule of thumb is, you know, you know, the dropping tide or whatever, but there is a couple places that really are, you know, it's the first part of an incoming, it's the last part of an incoming. You know, and that's really what comes with, you know, keeping notes, keeping your, you know, logs and just the experience of of over the years, you know, of just keeping track of each outing, whether it's you catch, whether you don't catch, you know, you got to keep track of all that, the winds, the tides, the temperatures, the water temperature. It really is, you know, you have to have that knowledge, especially being a guy, because, you know, my job is to put each and every client on every outing. In the best position to catch fish at that given time
0: great tips on there especially on the tide one and notebooks are so important so you've got that when you got your plan started how do you select the spot to fish
1: um you know when if if i have a client whether i'm fishing with a client or fishing with a friends during the season or myself i'm basically out six nights a week and on any given night i could be anywhere because there's going to be a time where you know you're fishing a bite for two or three nights and that's going to dry up and then you got, you got to find them again and you're constantly on the move. So um, I do always have two, two to three locations in my mind, usually in, a, in that given day. And then we kind of narrow it down the day before, or a couple of days before. Um, I don't try to, I do not try to keep the blinders on and fish one location all the time. I always figure if someone's just starting out and they're a novice angler, I always tell them they should fish a location close to them. and figure one spot out first, instead of jumping around. But because of what I do and the amount of time on the water, I have to constantly jump around to put that person in the best position.
0: Definitely great stuff there as I'm clicking the wrong buttons here for some reason. Uh, (laughs) I see my mouth moving and I don't hear it, which is always (laughs) fun. Uh, So let's take this one step further now that you talked about the spot there. Uh, how can someone in that area read the beach or that those zones to interpret the conditions to identify? All right, that's going to be a good spot. No, that's not really going to be. Oh, hey, this is a feature I should go with.
1: I always tell the, I always tell you know. I do a lot of seminars too, and these always, these questions always come up in the seminars. You know. Um, Where do I go? What do I do? And, you know, even in seminars, you get anyone from a novice angler to an expert angler. And, you know, even myself, I'll sit in seminars. If I can pick up one thing that's going to help me or help my clients, I want to know about it. You know, um, so what I like to do is I tell the clients, you know, you got to see these places at low tide because you have to see where the cuts are, the troughs, if you're fishing the South Shore, things like that. On the North Shore, um, I always say you can get away with not doing as much research because our North shore of the island is all boulder fields. And if there's boulder fields and you have that hard structure, there's always going to be some, you know, source of bait around that structure. I'm not saying don't do your research, but you can kind of get away with not doing as much research if you don't have the time, because that's the biggest thing. People are pressed for time. You know, even me as a guide, I'm still pressed for time and, you know, jobs life interfere. So if you don't have a lot of time, you know, to get out there and do a lot of research, you know, on your own, look for those hard structure areas, even on the south shore of Long Island. I mean, if I had a half hour, say, um, just to fish after work before getting home for dinner or other obligations, taking kids to sports, dance, etc., I'd find an inlet. Go to an inlet because you got that hard structure, those jetties and rocks, and there's always going to be some kind of bait source lingering in those rocks, whether it be little crabs, little bait, something like that. Nice like that
0: so you're at that spot now and you talked about the different identification so you already know all your pieces you're going to play with here let's talk about casting and setting up here so uh well you can pick the field you want to go with where are you normally casting your lines
1: when i'm when i'm casting my lines i'm looking for you know um sandbars that are dumped that, that where the water's getting dumped over into a trough where you know you know the most part we're fishing for striped bass for most of my clients um that's what that's the target fish they really want they want to catch stripers and you know they're you know they're predatory fish that ambush their bait so they're going to be sitting in those in those holes and you know where the bait's coming off the they're, they're looking for the bait to make a mistake that's what they're really doing they're just sitting you know the baits on the sandbar in the shallow area and the fish are, you know, sitting off, you know, where that, where that trough dumps in over the bar, you know, where they have that trough over the bar and they're just opportunistic predatorial fish. So they're just waiting for that little opportunity. I say no different than, you know, those seals that are, you know, sitting on, you know, the uh, on the beach or whatever. and, And, you know, you got the sharks right off there in Australia and stuff like that. They're just waiting for that one seal to make a mistake. That's what they're doing. I feel like, you know, Striped bass are the same way. They're, they're just waiting for that bait to make a mistake. And that's why you know you prefer kind of the dropping tides because once those tides start to drop around structure, hard structure like rocks or sandbars, you know, those, those areas are going those homes are now no longer there. So they have to push off that sandbar or out of those rock areas where there's no longer going to be water. So really, Very- the tide, tide kind of creates the mistake too at times
0: that's a really good point though i mean like you said they don't have a home anymore they got to run and that's just a perfect time i'm just going to wait for you right behind this rock yep real smart i like that so uh the big striper- and,
1: the big, and the big fish you know um they like to they're going to stay out of the current because they're also the lazier fish and don't want to exert a lot of energy because they don't know where their next big meal is going to come from so they will be sitting behind those rocks out of the current and things like that
0: what kind of bait do the stripers like
1: Stripers eat a wide variety actually. They're you know, they're eating their bigger baits like bunker, which is Manhaden. They're eating crabs, eels, they'll they'll eat small stuff. I mean, you know, what happens is they're gonna eat what's what's there sometimes, you know. Sometimes you you know, in the bellies of these uh stripers early in the spring and things like that, there's little grass shrimp, things like that, you know, a lot of the small stuff, and then the bigger baits start to move in and, and they'll feast on the bigger bait. But you know, they will They'll, they eat a large variety of stuff.
0: Wow. Okay. Very useful. Uh, so when you're doing these, what kind of rig are you using?
1: I'm not, I'm not using uh bait at all. I don't really fish anything live bait unless, you know, the slow time in, you know, August, if I have clients, a lot of times I'll have people on vacation and the husband wants to go for a fishing out. And that's when it kind of slows down from the surf perspective. So I will throw live eels with those clients at the time. Otherwise we're basically all artificial plastics, plastics and bucktails.
0: Not sitting on a soak. All right. So you're, you're move, you're move fishing.
1: Yeah, we are. You know, I think, you know, one of the things for me as a surf caster, and I say to people all the time is, you know, I think the greatest part of the whole fishing thing is the strike and you know, People I see put, you know, I'm not saying against anybody that fishes this way, but, you know, putting the rod and the rod holder on the beach and, and, and soak in the bait, that's fine. But, you know, you got to deal with the trash fish and the crabs and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times you don't get that strike. There is nothing like when you're sitting there in the middle of the night, it's 2 a.m., you haven't had a hit for like two hours, and then bang, it's just there's just no better feeling. <laughs>
0: I'm all excited now. I'm just, I'm like, my brain just went right to, you know, your cast and you're like, yeah, yeah, things were good. We were, oh, you know, that that initial adrenaline pump up there. It's, uh. Well, you know what happens
1: sometimes and this happens, you know, you, like I said, you, you don't get a hit for two hours or whatever, but you get distracted out there. Your mind, tra- my mind travels a lot. I'm thinking, you know, things, what do I got to do tomorrow. What's the next step? You know, things like that. You know, it's dark in the middle of the night. You see something funny in the sky. Your mind drifts, you know see a lot of shooting stars and things, but your mind drift and all of a sudden you get that hit and then you're not ready for it either. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. It's like reset. And it's the wait, what am I? Oh, okay. I got this. <laughs> well, it's actually perfectly brought up the night part. Cause uh, I can ask this one before the, the other one, uh, what are some effective strategies for fishing at night and what safety, cause we know that's important precautions should be taken, uh, by anglers.
1: I'll tell you, I always, you know, night fishing is is a different animal, definitely. I don't, you know, I recommend people learn an area and things like that during the daytime because then you can actually go back at night and you can, you know, find your locations and things like that. You know, you're not going to obviously look for, you know, places to fish at night. You have to, you know, hammer that out during the day. That's the first thing. Know the area you're going to fish first. Don't just walk out there at night because there, there could be things out there, obstructions in the water, things like that. Um, you know, and when you're fishing at night, you got to have some kind of headlamp. You know, I wear a neck light around that has a mouthpiece on it that I can keep my hands free all the time. Even when I hook up with a fish, I can just lean down and grab the mouthpiece and have the light in my mouth. Um, it frees up the hands because, you know, especially with those toothy bluefish around, you got to really be careful around around them. You want to try to free your hands as much as possible. And if you're fishing jetties and stuff at any time. And even more so at night, you got to have some kind of cleated uh, spikes on your, on your soles and your feet because that, you know, you're, you're fishing on those slippery rocks and stuff like that. And all you need to do is take one little misstep and, you know, you're in the water. So you gotta, you gotta be careful. It's definitely, you want to, you know, fish at night. You have to, I would say, go with someone experienced to start. I mean, like I said, I have anglers that are from novice to wear wetsuit in Montauk or wetsuit in Hunk Island in Massachusetts. Um, so there's a there's a broad range
0: i got cold thinking about that the idea of falling in the water on the atlantic you, you know summer is one thing but still at nighttime different temperature different feel all of it you get wet it's not a great time
1: that's why i i enjoy the wetsuit fish and yes it lets you push out to further areas that other people can't get to because you swim out you get up on a rock in the middle of the night you fish but it also is a safety thing. Like you know, you get bumped off a rock and, and and you're buoyant. You know, you're not you don't have to worry about your waders filling up. The safety thing. You know, I do always recommend again. You should always have a knife on you in case you do you know do slip in the water with waders on. side. So you got you got to cut them off. You got to try to cut them open as much as you can so that water doesn't stay in them.
0: Oh man, great call with the knife. You're actually the first one to really bring that part up about. Hey, look, cut them open. It's not worth it. Cut them open. Get out of there.
1: Yeah. Because right. the straps, you know, you fall in the the weight is filling up. The straps are pulling you down. You got to cut those straps, and also cut the boots if you can't get them off. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, it's been twenty two minutes into this, and now's the absolute perfect time because you all know you got to check your bait. You got to make sure that you got it on there. Still, you don't want to be uh, you don't want to be missing those strikes. It's nothing yeah. good about that. <laughs> this bait check is being brought to you by the Singer Guy. Y'all know I love it. Go over to the Sinkerguy.com and take a look at everything that Chip's got going on in the sinker guy garage. Lots of fun stuff in this website. Y'all. I mean, you can get lost in it. Really? If you go take a look, you guys uh, get right to the homepage here. It's got a little couple of things to talk about, but we go into the good stuff, get into the garage, into the shop. Need sinkers. It's in his name. he has got you covered there. The Bruno rig, the Uno rig and the fishing mortician rig. We all love those. But if you need other supporting gear, he's got you covered with that bait floats. Oh, fishing line, so many different things. Any kind of other supporting gear, there's a lot on the website. So, again, go over to the sinkerguy.com, take a look, get your order in today. Extremely fast shipping, superb customer service. And Chip's going to make sure you're taken care of every time. That's just how he does it. Sinkerguy.com, get your order in today. So, when we're talking about nighttime as well, one of the big things we all know about with that is the moon. And the moon is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting little thing that really does have an effect on fishing a little bit in my mind. So let's talk about that. How do tides and moon phases influence your surf fishing and what are the best times to fish based on those factors?
1: Um, I've actually liked both the uh, new moon and the, and the full moon. Um, however, I tend to do much better on the full moon insert on um, the new moon in certain locations. I do the full moon, full moon. Sometimes when I'll usually it's better for me earlier in the moon the full moon in the evening um once it gets up there high in the sky it tends to be an issue if i am fishing a full moon i really want it covered up i'm looking for cloud cover and things like that you know because i do like the tide changes you get the extreme more extreme high tides and low tide which is great again it's going to push all those you know especially the dropping tides are going to push all those bait off the marshes if i'm fishing like back bay areas it's going to push them off the sandbars and off that structure you know in the ocean or the sound things like that the, uh as far as the moons, I like two days before I like the new moon itself. And then two days after and same with the full moon, you know, mid moons can be a, be an issue. But there, you know, there's still fish there through the mid moons. But you got to again, you got to put in your time and the research.
0: Man, people always hate when you hear that you got to put in the time. That's not a friggin knock, people. It's a look, if you do it, you're going to get more experience. I can tell you everything you want, but you're not going to know unless you go do it.
1: Absolutely, and you know I go on vacation to other areas, and I'm, and you know I've, I'll give Florida for example. I was in Vero Beach a couple of years ago. I hired a guide because I, I'm down there for a week vacation with my family. I'm looking to get out one day, and that's really all I probably can do because I got a full schedule of stuff to do and see family and and, and I want to see a couple sites and whatever. But I always have to try to mix fishing in, and what better way than I hire a guide because he knows the areas, things like that that I can't learn that morning by getting up and doing it. So it is about putting in the time.
0: Yeah. And you, I can't wait till we get into the guide section about that because it is you're on vacation. Do you really want Do you have time to go scout? You got to catch a tide. Do you have all the equipment to bring with you? Do you really want to bring all your rods, all your rigs, all the hooks? Do you want to bring all that or go to the local tackle shop and spend 300, $400 on reassessing your gear and then have to take it home. It's like, ah, it's just you'll make you save more by using a guide with their knowledge and their time than going all the way back up and bringing your own stuff and trying to figure it out. It's just that's just me.
1: And me as a guide, I also, you know, I like to see how other people do things, you know, in other states or whatever. Again, you know, just like I said in the seminars, why I sit in seminars, if I can pick up one thing that's going to make me a better angler myself or that I can pass on to one of my guide clients, I'm all about it. I couldn't believe how much you guys you shrimp down there. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I oh, everything, every oh, we use shrimp, shrimp, shrimp. I was like, whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> shrimp, clam, clam is the one that threw me the biggest, biggest curveball. I'm like, wait a minute, you're using cohawk clams? I'm like, yeah, I use them all the time. Like, Why? And then all of a sudden I see the fish. I'm like, okay, lesson learned. I'll shut my mouth and color because whoa. it worked. A lot of striped
1: bass up here are taking on clams.
0: Really?
1: Hmm. Yep.
0: damn like them little slurp ups oh man okay um well let's jump into this so you talked about you talked about the waders and the wetsuit let's talk a little bit more about the gear there what are the essential gear and tackle needs uh for successful surf fishing trip and how can anglers choose the right piece of gear for those needs
1: it's funny i always say um outside of your rod and reel probably you know as far as equipment um is get yourself a nice pair of waders you know um it, I think it's it's the most essential thing. I see, you know, one mistake I see guys make, and they have it. They have you know the five hundred dollar rod, six hundred dollar, seven hundred dollar reel, you know, and then they're standing on the beach and they're running back up and down and the waves comes in or whatever because they got jeans and sneakers on. And listen, I mean, there's nothing against that, but you know, I don't want to be aggravated with that, like having to worry about water hitting me or whatever. I always think the first thing you should get is a nice set of waders.
0: ones in particular that you really like?
1: It's funny because they – honestly, I think the ones that are in a a good price range for someone starting out, you know, Compass 360 makes a really nice pair, a couple different nice pairs or whatever. I I burn through a lot of waiters over the years, so I kind of don't invest a lot of money because mine are going to get banged up anyway, so I try not to, you know, go crazy with them. Um, I like uh, the Drift uh, waiters. They're a little more on the higher end, and, of course, you have the Sims, which are more on the higher end, you know. And I kind of I kind of like them too because they their um their return policies are very good, which also helps when you're spending a lot of money. If the return policy is good, you don't mind laying out that kind of money. But if you're just getting into the game, I'd say a decent pair of waiters. You know, you can get a decent pair of waiters for like 100 dollars. And it's and it's totally worth that investment. Um, as far as you know, like your fishing line and stuff, I think that's an important part of your equipment as well. You know, of course the rod and reel, but You know, when you think about the fishing line, you know, you always want to make sure your line is new. Okay, you want to check it for fray and stuff like that, Um, because, you know, your line, you know, I could break a guide on my rod. I could break a handle on my reel. I can still get that fish in. But once you break your line, that's your only attachment to the fish and it's gone.
0: Speaking of line, talk, talk to us about it. Cause I mean, your water's different. You're, you're going after stripe and our stripers, you're going after these big fish, especially the toothy critters with the blues. They, they like to razor through stuff. You got rocks, you got structure. You got a lot of stuff you're contending with up there. Um, down here, obviously the normally I always see 95% of the time people are throwing braid uh, versus mono, which, you know, braid doesn't like rocks. He don't like it at all. What do you like to use up there?
1: Uh, we're, we're using primarily braid. Um, really, I'm, but I'm using a long leader with it. Uh, okay. Makes sense. Um, yeah. I'm using a long fluorocarbon leader. Um, minimums, usually 40 pound test, depending on where, where I'm fishing. Uh, I like to keep it longer for two things because I'd rather have the leader rubbing on the rocks if I'm fishing he- heavier structure than my line rubbing on the rocks because the leader's quick and, you know, easier to change. Um, also I go long because if the toothy bluefish are around at times, what happens, it gets frayed a lot near where your lure is. So I can just keep backing it up and it gets me quick back in the water. Um, you know, and I don't have to replace the whole leader. So that helps.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, that's real, real smart. Uh, I I don't have it in the notes, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Uh, let's talk about this. So you talked about the line there. Uh, I'm very surprised at fluoro. I, I actually half thought you were going to say mono, but I'm, I'm I'm loving that. So you're throwing plugs, you're throwing lures, you're throwing all these things more often than not. What type of rods are you using? What size?
1: I'm using 10. Uh, you know, I always for up here, you know, for the most part, I'm throwing a 10 foot rod. You know, I go up to places like the Cape Cod Canal. I'm using 11, 11 foot rods up there. Um, the back bays here, I'm using nine foot, sometimes eight foot. Um, but, you know, I always tell people if they're in the market to buy equipment, um, you know, and just starting out, if they want kind of like a rod where they could kind of fish anywhere around Long Island, whether it be the North Shore, South Shore, East End, I say go with a 10 foot rod. Because, you know, if they're just starting out, I always say, you know, you shouldn't spend a ton of money on your stuff to start kind of upgrade as you go, because you might buy all this stuff. And I've seen this many times, not just with fishing. I've seen this with other things where, people, you know, people go out, they spend a ton of money. And then they, they wind up not liking it or they, you know, get away from it. And then it sits in their garage and just ages and, and, and things like that, you know, so I, I don't recommend, you know, jumping out and, you know, getting, you know, a ton of different rods and a ton of different lures, you know, kind of keep it simple to start and, and upgrade from there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm guilty of that, but I may have been guilty with one or two rods in my past. So, uh, when you're out there and you're fishing, you know, your spots, you know, what you're going after, what do you do when the bite just isn't on fire?
1: It's funny because, um, you have to kind of have in your head that again, with the blinders on, you can't get into that mode of, Hey, unfortunately there's times, you know, we go out there, you, like I said, even on a given place, like I was saying, I had three different locations in mind, but usually at that location, I also have three different areas of that location to fish in my mind so if it doesn't happen the first you know at the first place we move you have to be willing to move you can't get stuck in that hey it was good the night before but it's not you know it's not you know oh it's going to be productive it's going to be productive you can't just hang in there you got to move especially when i have clients because i got to get them on the fish so i got to be willing to be flexible and i got to be willing to move one thing i do not do though um i won't leave fish to chase fish you know, I, I won't chase a report, things like that. I don't, you know, I, I always say, don't, you know, don't chase the report, be the report, you know? And if I'm, if I'm on fish, you know, and there had been a couple, say, say I'm on a smaller fish, but there had been some bigger fish in the area, you know, here and there, I'm going to hang in there, especially if there's a large mass of bait there, because those fish, if they are around in that area, they're going to find those, that bait, that's that large amount of bait.
0: Good call like that one, very much so. all um, right, last two in this category, and we'll move into the next fun stuff. Let's talk seasons. Uh, I mean you winter is winter. There's nothing you can do about that in the northeast. It just is what it is. Well, talk me through fishing in through all the seasons,
1: okay, so you know, I start out, you know the usually the last week week in March, I'll start out up west towards New York City. I fish little neck Bay area, um, I fish over near city island, things like that without being location specific i don't want to you know burn any spots of course but you know i do start up west in new york city because obviously that you know the, the two migrations are coming up down from the hudson river for the striped bass and they're also coming up from the chesapeake you know and they're on the move so i'm going to go west because that's where the fish are going to start and you know the, sp- the spring season will start kicking into gear i'll be out east this way usually first second week in may it really starts to kick, you know, starts to kick in the gear here, you know, starts out with the smaller baits and some of the bigger baits will show up. Um, the spring, there's some big fish to be had, especially in the, sh- in, in, you know, in the back bay areas. I mean, that's where they're going to show up first. The, the water's uh, more shallow. It heats up a little faster and um, it gets the fish a little more active to start in the, in the warmer areas. And then we'll move out to the ocean front as, as uh, you know, as we get into June and things like that. And the fall is just, I mean, and the fall run, you know, usually slows down. June is a great month. July kind of slows down into August, you know. But in that point, you got to kind of really switch over to fishing at night if you're looking for big bass at that at that point. Because there's not much going on, you know, during the day. Okay, there's a lot of bluefish around them. <laughs> uh, that's fun. Which they're fun. I know. I, I think, you know, they get the bad rap. People are like, I don't want to catch bluefish. I'll tell you anyone that doesn't get excited about catching, you know, a 15, 16 pound bluefish on a plug on top of the water, just watching it strike and whatever, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I still to this day don't understand how some people call blue a trash fish. Yeah. It's pound for pound, hell of a fighter. Truly is. It's gonna take you for a run. And if you can catch one of the eater sizes, they're great. The one thing I tell people if you catch a blue, eat it. And but just cut out the dark meat. It, once you're clean, just cut a little bit of the dark and it will be it'll taste a lot better. I promise.
1: Yeah, I don't eat them.
0: <laughs> hey, see?
1: OK, that's nothing. But I love I, I, I honestly enjoy catching them Especially, like I said on top water during the day. It's great. I really don't like when they show up at night, though, because I do throw a lot of soft plastics and, you know, and I catch a lot of big bass on soft plastics. And, you know, it just it just destroys my equipment. And there's some nights those stripers will be just honed in on that soft plastic. And it's, you know, but. It's worth it for me to have to throw away some lures to get a big bass, though. Yeah.
0: I mean, those teeth, they rip them in half.
1: Yeah.
0: It, there's no messing around with a blue in its teeth. Don't ever, and for any of you who never caught one, don't ever try to lip it. Don't be that no. idiot. It will it will mess you up. It is not a fish to screw with. Um, all right, last one in this category, and we'll move in. What are some of the top surf fishing mistakes to avoid, and how can anglers continuously improve their skills and knowledge uh, to do better?
1: I think one of the big mistakes you can make is, you know, is, is report chasing, you know, cause usually by time you're, you're reading that report or, or seeing, yeah, th- those reports a little quicker now that, you know, the internet and things like that and social media. Yeah. But usually, you know, and you don't know what to navigate through on social media. You don't know if that was a week ago, two weeks ago. I know I, I don't post, I post stuff weeks later, you know, from when I actually, you know, am catching the fish, you know um, but, and a lot of people do that. And like, you know, reading the reports, you know, You got to get out there. That's really what it is. It's the biggest mistake. People they just don't get out enough, whether it be time or you know constraints or something like that. You know, um, I would say that's that's the biggest mistake. Another mistake that I see a lot with novice anglers is when they're using artificial lures, uh, they tend to not let the lure do what it was designed to do. Like they'll reel it like a hundred miles an hour. That's the biggest mistake that I see with my clients. They don't. You know, and then what happens is, you know, we're trying to get a fish to eat something that's wood, plastic or lead. So we have to make it look authentic. And, you know, when they're overreeling and, and not working the plug of the lure, you know, a bucktail or, or something, you know, the way it's designed to work. What happens is it doesn't look authentic to the fish. And if it doesn't look authentic, you're not going to get a strike on. It. That's a great one, Bernie. Oh, thanks <laughs> uh, well i mean seriously uh,
0: everyone I, I, I hate my pause on this because it annoys me because i just had four different things run through my head it, it's there are so many different types of plastics lures metals there's there just is I and mean, we can all use them different ways you know you can pop a topwater rooster a certain way you know it's going to do the flash but maybe the topwater pencil you have to fish it a different way everything is like that and i think a lot of us don't think of well, how does this supposed to look? And they don't do the research. They look at it and the tackle shop like, "Ooh, that looks tasty." Throw it on the hook and launch it. And that what you just said—that's an easy mistake to make because if I'm repping in a paddle tail at 100 miles an hour, that paddle tail is not doing its job. It's probably not looking tasty. It's just, oh All right, well there it went. See you. You know, maybe I'll get it on the next round
1: that's and you know prices, i mean there's a few lure designs you know take a bottle plug for instance or yeah. a paddle tail you can feel it right in the tip of your rods so you know if it's actually if you're feeling the action in the water so you know if it's working correctly if it's fighting if it's digging in the water but that's, that comes with you know that's again that comes with experience and getting out there so i think the, you know you talk about biggest mistakes i think it's just people not just putting in the time you know to get out there you know and you know you make mistakes you know with you know I'll, I'll bring up my cousin for a second uh my cousin doug he um he doesn't get out there as much as he'd like to uh he's got a lot of family obligations and you know and he'll miss some big fish when he does get out and it's just because you're rusty because you haven't been out and the same thing with the lords, you know if, you know he's looking over he's like bernie oh my god you're you're out fishing me three to one and four to one you know but there's a there's a reason for that is because, but I'm also out there and I, and it's experienced like anything else is no different than have, you know, a rookie quarterback or a rookie pitcher in the major leagues or something like that. They're, they're going to make more mistakes. You know, they're going to, they're more prone to throw the interception, say the quarterback than throw the ball away, things like that, you know, and that's what happens in fishing too. If you're not out there and you're not in the game all the time, you're going to make mistakes and not saying I don't make mistakes. Cause I do. I had a night last, last fall, it was, I lost three big fish in a row. I, t- I, t- I was fishing with two buddies of mine. I lost three big fish in a row. I was ready to go home. Like that's, how, that's how frustrated I was. I had, I had one, one fish straighten the treble hooks out. The next one popped the hook right from the shore. I saw the fish. And then, and then my line broke. And I was like, this just isn't my night. It's time to pack up and go home. And I didn't. I hung in there. And then the next night I hit a couple nice big fish. I didn't get another big one. I didn't get any, I caught a couple other fish that night that I had the problem. But they weren't anywhere near the size of those last three that I busted off. So
0: damn heartbreakers. <laughs>
1: oh, man. And it's funny because you always remember the ones you lost. It's, it's crazy. Oh, easily. You know, you can land, land a big fish that night or two big fish, but you're always thinking you had the one you lost. You're like, I don't know why that happened. You know? So, and you could do every, listen, you can do everything right and have all the experience in the world and it still happens to you. That's what fishing is, which makes yeah. it exciting. Because you never also, you never know on any given night when you go out there what you could catch.
0: Well done. All right, let's talk about the business here. What got you into guiding?
1: It's funny. I kind of started out just kind of like word of mouth. I just started showing people how to, you know, fish. And then it started to morph from there. You know, I started giving people lessons. Hey, bro, I want to get into fish. And somebody at work would say, hey, I want to get into fish, you know, whatever. And you take them down to the beach, you show them how to cast, things like that. And then it just kind of morphed into guiding. And it just really everything just really, really morphed, you know, between the guiding. And, you know, I, I write articles uh, once a month. You know, it's it's really it's really nice to be able to. And that really what's helps my winter. I have to be honest. That's what gets me through winters, writing articles, doing seminars, the shows, things like that, because it, you know, it is a little bit of a long winter up here.
0: Yeah, it can be that. That's a sad truth for there. Some, some ones you and guys end up hanging out with a weird snowstorm in the March. It's it's really weird. Mm. It's it's not often. This
1: this one place we fish up West early in the season. If it snows in March, it's not that productive. And it's just, that's a pattern. It's been this one spot we fish. And it's like, I couldn't tell you why. I've thought about it, thought about it, thought about it, but I can't tell you why. I have no idea. <laughs> we don't do well there. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 hope there's no snow in March for me, okay?
0: I truly, I, I <laughs> like always hope so for almost. I always, always, almost always hope for a light winter for y'all. I mean, it's probably, you know, some somebody's going to tell me, no, I, they need it because of what, I me. Mean, I still hope for light winters. It's, you know, I worry about my grandmother, I'll admit it, folks. Uh, what's uh, what's your favorite part about running a charter?
1: I think it's the excitement of getting um, someone out there that maybe doesn't fish a lot or it's never fished before or is from out of state. Like I get, like, you know, a lot of my um, clients that are on the higher end as far as knowledge and stuff are out of state, but they just never fish Long Island. They fish Connecticut, Massachusetts, whatever. And when you can show them around some of the places down here, like I get excited and I get excited. I think sometimes I get more excited than the client does when they catch a fish. Like when I have a, you know, a kid catch a fish or something like that. um, To see that excitement is unbelievable. I had a, I had a father and son. This is going back probably like five years ago. um, Out at Montauk. And I had, you know, the three things in my head where we were gonna fish. And they were from Connecticut. And I'm starting to fish the south side of Montauk and 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 we didn't hit anything. And then we, we were on a, we had a nice storm coming in, a nice northeast blow, which is great for Montauk. And then we fished right around the north side, right around the light, didn't have anything. And then we went to the third spot, which was my make it or break it spot at that time. Um, and we went there and this kid hooked into to a bass. Landon the bass. And then, the, you know, the bass and blues moved in um, and had a lot of fun be caught his first bat. And his father didn't fish. He wasn't big into fishing. The father at the time he was more like a boat fishing guy. And I said, because he's a young kid, I, I ha- he has to have a father unless you're um, if you're under the age of 16, you have to come accompanied with an adult. That's how I run my stuff, you know. And so he gets into a fish, he lands it and he h- turns and hugs his dad. He's like my first Montauk fish. And it was like one of the, well, no, it was a Hallmark moment. <laughs> this guy, You know, he's hugging, he's hugging his, you know, the son's hugging the dad and the dad's excited and the kid's excited. I'm excited. Like, you know, that's what it's all about. Seeing, seeing other people do what I do and, you know, have a start to have a passion for it. You know, it really, it really excites me to see people do well in anything, not just fishing
0: oh man i'm all grinning over here i'm like seeing it in my head i'm all oh cue music happy moment it, dude wait that that had to have felt great
1: oh yeah i mean and there's another another quick story this just happened yeah. this last fall um i actually wrote an article about it it's up on ibass 360com um we had uh i had a father and son um we were iffy whether we were going out Um, this is a client I've had before and he usually comes with a friend of his, but his friend bailed on the fishing trip to go hunting. So he wanted to bring his son. So, um, on this particular night, and the son has experienced boat fish, not really a lot with the surf. So on this particular night in the fall, um, we start getting into some fish and this kid leans into a nice one. And, you know, next thing you know, his reel's not working. He's not retrieving any line. And this fish is, 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 is a nice size bass. And he's not um, pulling it in or whatever. And we've, I've hand lined fish in before. I had one happen at the canal where my friend's real stem broke. That was a whole another thing. Um, so I just grabbed, I walked over him. I grabbed the line and pulled on it a little bit. And to see if he could reel it, some of the line in when I took the pressure off. And he was able to do that. And after probably a decent 10, 15 minutes, because this fish run a left to right, we couldn't bring in a lot of line and we got it in and, and he was like, Oh my God, that's such a nice fish or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like basically almost jumping up and down. Cause I'm more excited than he was at that point. <laughs> you know, I'm excited a, cause he got the fish and B we were able to, you know, land it, you know, with all the problems or whatever. And that, and that's what happened. And that just makes you feel good. I, I go home those nights. I can't go to bed when I get home. because so I'm still excited about it. You know, <laughs> I'm like that yeah. just happened, like you know, and that's happened when I've caught big bass myself at night. It's like I get home, like oh my god, did I really get that that fish tonight? Like, oh, I, that's cool, that's so cool. Oh, I'm
0: all giddy. All right, I'm coming up. That's it. I need to get into this. Um, uh, before we continue on, it's been 47 minutes. We're a little behind here. Let's get ourselves into another bait check. This Check is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. You guys know I absolutely love Ninja Tackle. I love all the rods and all the gear that I ever get from there. It's always phenomenal and top-notch. Right here, they got to talk about it. The old little bummy. That's right. Bama Beach Bums. Little rod the little bummy is a nine foot six rod hearing a lot of great things about this it's been doing really well on the surf and a couple other instant or other places you can use it if you go over to the website ninja tackle va.com as you can see plenty of great things on the website the ninja dagger ninja dagger series the beach bum uh the bummy stick The 12-foot, which you guys know, I love my 12-foot. I love my 12-foot. The 9-footer is phenomenal. There's really nothing bad. But if you need rigs, he's got you covered. he got you with ES lures and other hand-tied rigs, hooks, other gear. He's got it all through here. As you can see, 15 pages worth of stuff. Sand spikes and bait, all good things all the way through. If you're into the firearm and tactical side, oh, he's got you covered there. Ninja tactical, lots of good pieces of gear in here as you scroll through. You're going to find something you need. I know it. Always good stuff. NinjaTackleVA.com. That's the website. Go on over. Get your order in today. One of the pieces that you bring up there is talking about teaching. And you, you mentioned it earlier. You know, hey, people put their time in, but you're also teaching when you're doing your guide one. You've talked about that here with the friends. You know, Get them out there. How do you approach teaching and guiding clients and varying levels of surfing, surf fishing experience while you're out on your charter?
1: It's funny because when someone books a trip, I always try to um, get a little background on the client themselves, uh, you know, their experience level. And I got and, you know, I gear the trips towards their experience level. Um, You do run into a problem sometimes where I think, you know, a client will overestimate uh, their experience. And I have run into that a few times. And, you know, obviously, you know, I won't put that, you know, client in that situation. I'm like, no, we're not going to fish there because I, I don't feel comfortable. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, is safety. I have, you know, we both want to return home that night, you know, fishing. So, you know, I do try to really uh, guide them towards the experience level.
0: Very smart. And it's easy for us guys to oversay. oh, yeah, I've been doing this for years, bro. Come on. just, just. And the
1: honest. teaching, I mean, the teaching piece, I always feel like, you know, I'm kind of a natural teacher. You know, I've been teaching public school is my real job for 25 years. I teach uh, high school. Um, and, you know. I think it comes, it comes easy to me, the teaching, teaching piece of it, you know, and the fishing, I love the seminars and stuff, all that, you know, is very easy to get, you know, I I have some experienced anglers that I know that would never get up and they have a wealth of knowledge, but they will never get up in front of and speak in front of a crowd because they don't feel comfortable doing it. And they're like, no, I just don't feel comfortable. I'm like, you're you're not, you know, you can share all this wealth of knowledge, you know, I do it every day the kids that don't want to be there most of the time. So I think when I'm when I'm doing a seminar, you know, all those people want to be there cuz they want to learn about fishing. I'm not saying all the kids I have, but there are some kids that you know don't want to be there, but you know, when you when you're sitting in a fishing seminar, full of fishermen, to me it's just easy. Or on a guided trip, you know, they they just want to learn.
0: Yeah. Definitely making sense, especially on that one for the the attentives uh what advice or recommendations do you provide to the clients to prepare for that surfishing charter and both terms of gear and mindset
1: i do you know i i always ask them what kind of gear they have and then you know we go from there and some of the stuff i do provide i do surprise like i said if you have these lures fine if not i i, I have plenty and you know things like that i do let them use my equipment i have you know a couple spare pairs of waiters and things like that Um, But I do have to say, even my novice anglers, most of them come well-prepared, you know. Um, Sometimes, you know, I'll get a guy where he just didn't, you know, rig his lineup or whatever because he wanted to learn how to properly rig it and what I do and stuff like that. But for the most part, as far as equipment stuff, they kind of do come prepared. And, you know, they book way in advance most of the time. So unless I get, you know, cancellation, I can squeeze somebody in. Most of my trips are booked way in advance. And, you know – they have time to get the equipment and they'll always ask me, you know, what should I get? What, you know, what should I do? And it's funny. I do get a lot of clients, you know, I have this one client, me for years. He has every single thing I have. Like after, after he sees me with it or sees me wearing it, he comes the next trip he's got it on. Like he's really like following me to a T and when and we joke about it, sometimes he's like, listen, if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. And you know, so it's kind of funny.
0: Yes, it is. It makes things easy too um so that of that whole area we talked a couple of spots here but let's talk about this What what is the area you service as a guide
1: i go anywhere from which is the, uh smith point county park east um if i'm if i'm doing you know anything local i do not go up west with guided trips i don't start my trips until until early may that fishing that i do early on up in the city and stuff like that i do fish a little bit of private property that i have access to um that is just me and a couple of my buddies fish those areas. Um, I don't start my guiding till the first week in May, and that will run from Smith Point Bridge east up both forks, whether it be the North Fork along down to the South Fork, which is obviously Montauk at the end. Okay. But I don't, like I said, I don't really get, um, you know, prone to one area because they're, they're migratory fish, so they're on the move, yes. you know, and, and, you know, and the baits are on the move, especially bunker, you know, you could have a really good bite one day with, you know, and then go back the next day, like, oh my God, it's going to be unbelievable. But if the baits bunker, the bunker's on the move, you know, you know, for us to have really consistent bites, especially in the fall realm, we need to have sand eels and we need to have the spearing because they kind of stay put longer. They could still stay put for weeks and then the fish just pound on them. And then, you know, that's where you can almost guarantee, hey, they were there the night before. They're probably going to be back tomorrow night.
0: Yeah. Like you said earlier, that comes with the experience of knowing where it is and getting your time in to have that mental, uh, that mental acuity to know what's going on. Uh, what advice would you give to individuals considering a surf fishing charter for the very first time to make the most of their experience?
1: I would say, you know, book something, you know, during the day and book something in the spring of that year if you can, where you fall, because then you can, you'll have experience with a guide, you know, maybe you come for lessons with me first. Then we go on a guided trip, and then you fish the spring. And then hopefully, you know, you'll get out there a bunch in the spring. And by the fall, you can kind of start working yourself around, you know, um, alone without without a guide. And I always say this too: anybody starting out, I mean, you gotta lean on your local tackle shops. You really do. Um, you know, they, they, these are the guys that are around fishing every day. They're around fishing. They're around fishermen. They're a wealth of knowledge, and you know. They really should be utilized. You know, we have to utilize them. And, you know, it's such a benefit because you can go in there and they have the knowledge. Like, you know, like when you walk into Dick Sporting Goods, you know, the person working in the fishing section today could be selling sneakers tomorrow and vice versa. And nothing against people that do that. It's just that if you're looking to really take your game to another level, you want to be around guys that are around fishing all the time. And there's a wealth of knowledge on the internet out there. I mean, research, research, research. It's easier to research when I was, I was, you know, my dad taught me 95% of my fishing and the guys that I was standing next to on the beach, the old timers, you know, how to do it. You know, most of the people I ran into was um, people from LILCO. That's, that was our power company way back in the day because they worked the shift work. They were there the odd times at night and things like that. Police officers and firemen, that's who who I've fished around a lot. You know because those guys had the wild hours and a couple days off three on three off so you'd see them every day you know things like that and you know those are a wealth of knowledge for me
0: yeah i could see that one really paying off yeah. for that well let's get into the uh, let's ask this last one we'll move into the social media world here how can listeners find more information about your surf fishing charters get in touch with you or book a charter to go
1: on um, the easiest place is through you know the social media Uh, Facebook and Instagram. I'm on there at Bernie Bass Surfcasting Services on Facebook and Bernie underscore Bass on Instagram.
0: And all that will be linked back, everybody, too, so you don't have to freak out that he just said it, and it's not, you know, don't worry. It's linked back on the findingdmosclerfishing.com under this episode. It'll also be on social media wherever you found this episode. All of that will be hyperlinked for you to get back to so you can get up there to the old northeast and New York and go fishing with Bernie. Uh, let's talk about the fun one. Now, you have, you've got a radio show, and it's been doing quite well. It's I mean, It goes up on the podcast app. I finally saw it. Um, I saw today's. Uh, All of it dropped the new seasons fully, uh, fully available to get into, which gives me bingeable for the next uh, couple hours of driving, which I'm very appreciative of. I've been waiting for you to drop your next series. (laughs) Um, Can you share how you got started as uh, into the digital creator world and started this radio show?
1: Yeah, it's funny. Um, During during COVID, I actually I did a a podcast hooked on surf fishing with uh, Bernie Bass because all the shows and stuff were canceled. So I did two seasons of that during the whole COVID thing. Cause I think I kind of got, just did it out of boredom. I mean, everything was kind of shut down. We weren't even allowed to guide. Some guys were doing it and charters that's all kind of shut down uh, during that time period as well. So I had a lot of extra time on my hands. Um, so, you know, I started that and then, you know, there's a local radio station in town and this kind of just um, then morphed into the radio show and fell into my lap. And, you know, the guy, you know, I met with the, the owners of the station and um, Bruce Tria, the general manager of the station, said, you know, you know, this is something we'd like to go with. Would you be interested in doing it? And I said, yeah, I, I definitely would be interested in, in doing it. It's never been tried on the east end out here. They do a fishing report on another local station where they just have the report that runs a week during the week, um, which we do our, our reports throughout the week also. Um, But, uh, we air on Saturday mornings and Sunday evenings. And, you know, like I said, he, he approached me about the show and I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not a communications major, you know? Um, so I, he said, but, you know, fishing and, and I go, you're right. (laughs) I said, we will, we'll go with that. And that's what we did. And, you know, um, we're, we're just finished, wrapped up our second season, you know, in November, we wrapped up the second season and then it was put all up on Spotify and stuff like that. So the first two seasons are up there and we'll start April 13th, which is uh, two days before the opening, the official opening in New York state of striper season, which is the 15th and it'll run through the uh, week before Thanksgiving. Um, I've had a ton of support um, from not only the sponsors, the radio station, But the fans, I mean, we have we have, you know, a drawing every week uh, for our angler of the week or whatever. And then we do a drawing at the end of the year. I mean, people have been so, so generous. The prize packages at the end of the year have been a couple thousand dollars both seasons. And it's just been it's been really exciting. And I'm excited to get started with with season three. Um, The first time I was on, I went, you know, I didn't know I went to break when we weren't supposed to break and things like that. You know, I made rookie mistakes. It's funny because I look back now when I see some of the season one stuff. I like look at, you know, that compared to now I've come a long way, but I still have a lot to learn. I'm not, you know, I'm not a radio person. I'm not, this is not what I went to school for, but it's, you know, it's, it's a work in progress, but I think I'm getting better at it. And, you know, it's real, I have such a diverse array of guests over the last two seasons, because it's not even just about fishing, you know, it's about, Everybody that has a stake in the waters around Long Island, which is great. I mean, I have oyster farms, farmers on there. I had this guy, Jay Lippin. He's um, a chef at one shop, and he uses all local seafood in his dishes and, and things like that. And it's really, really come to fruition. I, I'm really having a lot of fun with it.
0: And you're doing a great job. I mean, you really are. I've, I've enjoyed listening to it. I mean, being a Florida guy, I know it's all the Northeast, but it's still – There have been several things I've picked up from it. And I've I've enjoyed I know that I pulled that one. I texted you, I was like, Hey, are you willing to take a little weird criticism? Um, because you had two episodes where the microphones went went screwy and you're like, Wait, that happened? I was like, Yeah, and I felt bad, but then I was like, wait a minute. If I told him this, I bet you next year he'll be like, Hold on we had this happen. We're not going to let that happen again. And it was, you know, I didn't feel bad after that. I was like, okay, cool. It was a nice like insider together. We're trying to fix it. No,
1: absolutely. I like, I'm open to all suggestions, you know, and and I like getting, you know, an email or something like that, that says Bernie, but you know, why don't you try to get a guest that knows about this or, or something like that? I I'm always willing to do that, you know, because like I said, I'm a work in progress and I think the show's a work in progress and we try to we already have had a couple meetings about putting a couple new wrinkles in it this year. Like, I, I want it to stay fresh and I want it to be informative. So, you know, because we've had organizations on there that I had even no knowledge about that, you know, and there is so many people that have a stake in the waters around Long Island. And there's so many of these organizations and people that it's just, I want to help them get it out there because, you know, the, the, the um, the motto at the radio stations, all local all the time, is their motto. And that's what I really want to bring. And I think it really is a is a good marriage between me and the radio station and, and the people that follow the show.
0: I kind of want to, you know what? I'm I'm not I'm not gonna follow the questions here. We're gonna we're just gonna talk about this. It's a weird game though, when we're in this the podcast and radio world because you know, it's such a digital media now. Everyone wants the, the YouTube and then, you know, it, all of a sudden they find us. They find the podcast. They find the radio shows and they're like, wait, why wasn't I checking this out? And it's that drive time. You know, it's like, hey, you're in the car. You want to learn about fishing? Turn on the radio. You're, you're going to learn something. One thing I've always found, or I'm a, I am guess my better question is, what have you found, too, with your side of doing this that all of a sudden was like an aha moment for people when they first tune in and all of a sudden, next, you know, they're lifelong members.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, I I'm very surprised at the reach like it gets even just through the, you know, because, you know, with the you have the radio itself and then you have the apps that people listen to the radio, you know, live at 6 a.m. And then they'll listen to the follow up show on, you know, the repeat telecast Sunday at at 6 p.m. is because we've had winners from Rhode Island, Connecticut, Jersey, you know, that everybody is tuning in. And, you know, we are in the digital world. I think social media has really helped promote it as well, the radio show, um, it, it's really like, you know, exciting to be part of it. You know, I, I'm, I'm just as excited to go to the radio station every week and, and hopefully that excitement, you know, the people that are listening out there have that excitement to listen every week.
0: Oh, I think they do because they're not really doing really- it out of,
1: out, of, out of passion for fishing. That's really, you know, how I've done it. And I've met so many great people, you know, within the industry through the radio
0: you and the captain have great back and back to foot back and forth i mean the the way you guys feed off each other is very it's solid and the whole team dynamic you you guys have got something special up there and it's again yeah i mean i enjoy listening to it if you guys haven't if many of my listeners you haven't heard it yet you really need to it's got a lot of great things and there's more than just new york and new england area there there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle and that show is absolutely worth your time um God, I got to stay on this because if not, I'm going to end up talking to you all day and you got stuff to do. Uh, has doing the social media, the radio, all that stuff, has it made you a better angler?
1: Um, I think it's made me more of knowing the diversity that's in fishing, actually. that I Some of the things I don't know about being a better angler, but I think it's made me have a better knowledge of what goes on on Long Island with fishing outside of just getting on the beach and fishing or getting on the boat and fishing that so many people do have a stake in this. And, and, you know, when the regulations change and new rules come in, how many people it affects, you know, when they, when they close days of fishing and things like that. And I've heard, you know, I've had people on both sides of these, you know, um, the windmill thing is a hot topic up here. You know, both sides of that with the windmills, you know, putting the windmills in and then we have dying off of the whales. You know, we've had both sides of that, you know, um, you know, we've had a lot of shark attacks over the last, you know, you know, a couple of years. So, you know, there's a guy I have on, you know, Chris Paparo has has a wealth of knowledge in that area. So I want you know, we had some recent attacks, and I, and I get him right on the show because he's, he's such an expert. And there's so many of those people out there. You know, yeah, I have a wealth of knowledge in the guiding and fishing area. But these people have a wealth of knowledge in other areas, which I guess it makes me a smarter. Ang- I guess it can make me a smarter angler. You know,
0: well, knowledge is key. You, you know, yeah. that. I mean, you're, the, you're the teacher. You, yeah. you, you see that every day. You see what that light bulb does for people. And a, as it I, comes across in our radio waves, that's huge. I mean, you get that one angler. I mean, I say this in every episode. If I can touch one angler and change something for them so that they were successful, then I did this right every minute I put into this, whether I get to 1 million listeners or 10, as long as I helped one of that, then I did it
1: right. No, I agree. I just, I like to learn things, especially when it comes to the water. I'm not, you know, just a fisherman. I, you know, I'm a conservationist. I'm, you know, a person that takes care of the beaches. I'm the guy picking up garbage on the beaches, you know, throwing it in the back of my truck because I, you know, I'm benefiting from what we have on long Island. And there are so many people that benefit what ha- what happens on long Island. And, you know, I want to get the word out there about those organizations.
0: Well, you guys are doing a phenomenal job. Um, we'll, we're in an hour and five here. Let's get the last paycheck check and we'll get you the last questions and we'll get you out of here because I'm going to get in trouble if I keep doing this, man. I'll keep staying with you all day. I know I will. Me too. I'll keep... This Check is being brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. DSCustomTackle.com is the website. Go on over there and take a look. As you can see, it is jam-packed, full of gear. Yeah, if you need some stuff, yeah, I think you're covered here. If you need rigs, look at this. There are so many in the shop. You need to get your hands on anything from drums. Look at that. Kings, pomps down here. Perch, it's not just Florida. This has got you covered up and down the East Coast and the West Coast. It doesn't matter where it is. You're all set up there. And if you're a rig maker and you're looking to get your hands on beads, floats, things of that nature, hey, look at that. Tons of beads right here, and the floats is in another section. There is a bunch. The Scullies. Get the Scullies. Yeah. DSCustomTackle.com. Go take a look. Get your order in today. Great product, great people, and they're doing great things. It's the downside of keeping your finger on the trigger when you're sitting hovering over the thing, you got to (laughs) click. It's like, oh, no, don't, don't, damn it. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, You said, like you said, the new season just dropped. You're getting ready into the next one. What are some future plans for the show?
1: Um, We're going to add a couple different categories. You know, I want to get a little more, um, you know, a little more tips and techniques out there a little bit this season, a little more. And I think, you know, um, because we do have you know, we do have such a good following. I want it to be something for everyone, whether you're a novice angler, whether you're an experienced angler, whether you're just a person on Long Island that enjoys the water, you know, I just want something for everyone, and I want to keep it fresh.
0: I don't think that's going to be hard for you. You guys got so much great things, man. I'm like. Gushing I really about it. And,
1: I, and I appreciate everybody listening in every week because without them there's there's no show.
0: Yeah. yes uh for the people that are looking to do what we do uh what advice do you have for aspiring digital creators who want to blend this into the surf fishing and get it out on the airwaves uh to show how creative it is
1: you know i i just think you know go with your gut and go you know go with what you think you know is right in your mind and and, you know try it out you're going to make mistakes but you know be willing to try it out and you know, be willing to for people to say no to you for certain things and just keep keep grinding like anything else.
0: Nice. Uh, finally, where can people find all the show information? How can they tune in?
1: Um, they can tune in at uh, if, if you're local here, um, you know, WRIV 1390 AM on the on the, lo- on the local end. And then on, you know, the digital end, it's on a simple radio and tune in. Those are the two I, you know, I always throw out there, but any, any radio app that's out there, you'll just be able to uh, get, get the show that way.
0: Nice. Well played. All right. Last ones here. We'll get you out for the day. Let's talk about the beginners. For someone who's just starting out in the surf fishing game, what's one piece of advice you'd give them to send them on the right path?
1: One piece of advice to send them on the right path. I would say get on the internet and research what the top guys are doing get get in there, do the research, you know, get to seminars, you know, it's the perfect time of the year right now. Uh, there's a lot of fishing shows coming up, sit in those seminars, definitely sit in the seminars and, and get out there because there is a wealth of information on the internet. And, you know, and honestly, I write a ton of articles uh, which can be found on iBass360.com. I write an article every month. Um, I've been doing that for probably three or four years. Um, it gears towards everyone, you know, whether you're just getting into the game or, or you're an expert fisherman. And there is a ton of information on that site itself, whether you're in the freshwater game, offshore, inshore, surf fishing, kayak, and there's so many great anglers over there writing so many great articles.
0: Very nice. All right. Last question. And you are free, sir. What's next for you?
1: Um, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I, I kind of like, I'm, I'm finally comfortable with what I'm doing. I think I'm in a good place with what I'm doing. Um, I am always looking to get better, you know, with the radio show, like I said. And I don't know. I, you know, I had, you know, a couple calls and other opportunities uh, come my way. But, you know, I'm a loyal guy, too. And I think, you know, the people have kind of been with me along the way, you know, that they stuck by me and also, you know, gave me some of the wealth and knowledge that I have and opportunities. I want to hang in there where I am. And that's it. And with guiding and and some of the sponsors I have, you know, with fishing gear and stuff like that, I just I just want to move forward with them.
0: Great stuff, Bernie. Thank you so much, man. I I appreciate you taking this time uh, out on you know your day off here and just talking with me it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for all the knowledge and experiences that you've shared here i know it's going to help somebody hell i know it's already helped me on a couple of pieces i've already got notes down for myself but seriously thank you for everything i really do appreciate it
1: oh thank you for having me on i I really appreciate it and hopefully uh we'll get you up here this summer and you know get you out there maybe and, and maybe get you on the show you know yeah. i'd love to have you on my show
0: sold yes easy day <laughs> We can do that all day. <laughs> <That was great. laughs> I right, man, we'll talk soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen. There it was. Bernie Bass. Uh yeah, if that didn't help you, I don't know what what you'd missed because I've got a page full. Lots of good stuff on there. You can, like I said, you can take a look back at his show, Bernie Bass in the Captain. You can find that on all your social or on your apps for podcasts. You can find them on all the players there. Like you said, if you're up in that northeast area in New York, W-R-I-V 1390 AM, tune in on that. There's gonna be a lot of things. And also the iBass 360, you're not gonna want to miss those articles. Lots of good things there. So Thank you for coming back or coming here today. I appreciate you. It's always fun to keep going. You're going to have a lot more shows coming. You don't want to miss out. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surfishing. I'm out of here.